Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Michaela Boehm. She is a global counselor and teacher, formerly educated in psychology and cognitive behavioral therapy, but she also has extensive training in hypnosis, NLP, yoga, massage, and breathwork. Michaela works closely with David Data, renowned author of the book, The Way of the Superior Man. And Michaela is actually the only person that David has personally trained and authorized to teach on his behalf. We're so excited to have her on the show today. Michaela, I want to start off by asking you to tell me a little bit about who you work with and what type of work you do. Um, th- these days, uh, I mostly teach, so um, I would say that about 80% of what I do these days is uh, work with people in workshop settings and lecture settings and intensive settings. Um, so it's larger groups of people I work with these days. Um, and I still uh, do one-on-one counseling and coaching, but on a very, very limited basis uh, for the last probably eight years or so, I focused on um, working with people who are very high-performance individuals. So I work with uh, a few business leaders, actors, uh, musicians, uh, so people who want to take their already incredibly good game to the next level. That's more my my, uh, one-on-one approach. But in the groups, I work... um, both with men and women separately, I teach a very specific program that are for women to deepen into their femininity, and I teach very specific programs for men on how to be with a woman. Um, since I'm not a man, I can teach a man how to be a good man, but I can teach a man how to be with a woman well. And then I do work with couples and with people who want to learn how to be with the opposite sex. So there's mixed workshops and there's um, men's workshops and women's workshops. There's a few things that you said that I want to ask you about. One is you said improve their game. And so I'm assuming by what you said following that is that it's related to dating? Uh, It's not directly related to dating only. It's related to how do you become the best man or woman that you can be in relationship to the opposite sex. And so that would include dating and it would include relationship, but also in the world at large, uh, meaning how you um, inhabit your space in the world and in your life in a way that's uh, full and deep and uh, that resonates in a way that people are naturally attracted to you, that your relationship um, takes on a form of fulfillment as much as that's possible and that's, that's pretty much, um, you know, includes dating and it includes a relationship, but it's a much bigger picture. I, I love this. It's very holistic, it sounds like. Yes. I mean, to me, there is no, you know, when we talk about dating, uh, what's attractive to uh, a man or a woman, uh, in, in, let's talk about what's attractive to a woman in a man, it's a much bigger picture than just one thing. And so the the deeper somebody's rested in their consciousness and in their life, the easier things like dating will be. So what are some of the biggest challenges you find with your clients? And also, how do you guys help these people overcome these challenges? I would think that uh, the challenges you know, nowadays are very different than they were even when I started, you know, uh, 
20 years ago or 10 years ago. Uh, nowadays, the challenges are mostly that people don't actually need each other. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, people still want relationships and people still want to date, but the old paradigm of um, a man did certain things, a woman did certain things, they came together for a specific purpose in relationship, that's kind of gone. Uh, most women don't need men for most things. And um, the few things that women still want and need men, men are no longer that good at. So uh, the challenges are mostly around how do you create the kind of love life or relationship or dating life that you have within the changed circumstances. That's interesting. So you're talking a lot about evolution of gender roles in our society. In a certain way, yes. Um, I would say that, you know, in the, particularly in the last 10 years, five is more accurate for the, for the big wave of development. This is, you know, not true in all demographics, but mostly uh, women have achieved the kind of, I don't want to say equality because that has all kinds of connotations, but the kind of sameness and the kind of um, status that allows them to make as much money or more than their male counterparts. Uh, we have all the freedom. We ha we still, you know, have the children, but we can also work and we can travel and politics and business. So uh, the, the the role of the man as a provider and the role of the man as the head of the household and, uh, you know, things of that nature are no longer valid. And with that, um, a lot of what used to work in dating and in relationship no longer does. And one of the things that you said was that gender roles has changed and that women are able to provide a lot of the things that men used to provide for them, but there are things that they want that they're not getting, unmet needs. And a lot of men don't know how to provide for those needs. And I would be curious to hear what you think those needs are and how the men who are listening, who want to be in a relationship, who are looking to have a woman or women in their lives, what they need to be doing differently than what they may be doing. So one of the, one of the things that has fallen by the wayside uh, is the, the need for a woman to be supported by a man and the need for a man to, you know, provide a certain kind of a uh, support structure for women. Um, with that has come incredible freedom and other things can be played, but what's hard about it often is that one of the things that produces great sexual dynamics, so that, you know, that which David Data calls polarity, the sexual attraction between two poles, goes out the window when both people do the more um, you know, masculine tasks, so to speak, or more, both people do the more feminine relating. And so the need for guidance is not an actual need anymore. It's a want that comes from the more feminine partner wanting to be guided by a man. Now, when a man is not as accomplished as a woman, you know, where is he going to guide her? And a lot of the men out there, um, I just came back from um, a weekend uh, in Utah where I spoke at a, at a conference where most um, people were in their early to mid-twenties. And the women were a lot more self-guided and a lot more directed and a lot more accomplished than the men. So 
those women are going to look at a guy and go, well, you can take me anywhere that I can take myself. And that's a bit boring <laughs> and it's not very exciting from a, from a sexual standpoint because the, you know, when you look at all the prototypes and fairy tales of, you know, knight in shining armor on white horse picks her up and takes her somewhere, there's a reason for that in the, in the feminine, um, world of, you know, feeling and perceiving, being taken somewhere, being taken somewhere new, being known better than we know ourselves is incredibly pleasurable. And when that's no longer available, because the guy goes something like, well, where do you want to go for dinner? Then there isn't much reason to, uh, you know, fall in with this guy or surrender to this guy in a way that that feels um, sexually interesting. So you're not talking about necessarily about leading with accomplishments, right? Like a man out there who's listening to this might be dating a woman who financially is more successful. You're really talking about men having the ability to lead her emotionally. Am I right? Uh, yes. Uh, well, it used to be that just money did the job, but that's no longer true. So nowadays what it means is that the man the, the man or more masculine partner in the relationship, you know, it could be either, is the one um, having the bigger picture vision, is the one um, guiding where it's going, and has a kind of a stability in consciousness and depth that allows the more feminine partner to just relax and flow, which most women can no longer do because they're guiding themselves all the time. This is interesting because I, I see what I can see the things that you're saying. And, and even I know as a man, sometimes I get tired. I've used this example before in my classes, but I remember I was dating a girl and we went out to dinner. And I was just so exhausted from a hard week of work that I told her, you know, I think that I said, Oh, where do you want to go? And she's like, I don't care. And she goes, uh, well, where do you want to go? And I'm like, I, like, I honestly just want to eat something. And so we, I go, well, let's just go for a walk. So we went for a walk. And then after, I don't know, about 10 minutes, she just told me, she goes, I want you to pick a place. I don't really care what it is. I just want you to pick a place. And she did, and I did, and she was happy. And normally I just, I mean, I do this. I, I know when I was younger, I was more shy or learning how to find my voice as a man, especially with women. I would more often would try to do some of the things that you're describing as things that women don't want, which I thought the way to make her happy was not necessarily the leader, but to try to appease her, which was the wrong thing. What I found was that the women that I were dating were looking for me to lead, to have a vision for myself, the relationship and be willing to lead her in that direction. And if she doesn't want to follow, she'll make the choice. Yes, it makes sense. So I'm going to put this in different terms for you. Um, you know, I'm assuming a lot of people who have listened have read The Way of the Superior Man at some point or will. Uh, so David talks in detail. and He's really, uh, you know, he created these distinctions and then they've been taken by lots of people and often bastardized. But the distinctions of masculine and feminine are very important, not because they're gender specific, because they're not. Each human has a masculine and a feminine. But we have a resting place, kind of a natural place where we reside uh, when, you know, conditions are optimal. We're born with that. He calls that the essence. And based on your essence, you have certain preferences sexually and relationally. So someone with a feminine essence 
uh, that could be a man or a woman, but it's mostly women with feminine essence, not always. So when we say men and women, we really mean, you know, women with a feminine essence, men with a masculine essence. Uh, but so when a woman with a feminine essence um, goes out with a man, what she wants is for him to be the more masculine. And what that means, and putting this in very simple terms, there's a lot more to it, the feminine likes the fullness of life and the flow and, you know, the chaos of nature and existence. So the feminine is kind of a swirl of bright, radiant energy flow. Uh, now, every woman has a masculine too, otherwise she wouldn't be functional. But her natural state of pleasure is one of flowing and um, being guided and surrendering and opening. The, the partner with the more masculine essence is um, direction, focus, purpose, taking it somewhere. The masculine goes towards emptiness while the feminine goes towards fullness. So, of course, a man also has feminine aspects where he wants to flow and feel and all of those things. But in a, when I'm saying sexual occasion, I mean in a romantic occasion where there is a potential of sex. In a sexual occasion, one person needs to animate their one essence and one person needs to animate the other essence for there to be a strong arc of polarity, sexual attraction. So the, the act of doing that is kind of a voluntary relinquishing of the other parts for the sake of deeper loving or for deeper connection, fuller connection. So when you say, when, when the woman you are, you know, are going on a date with, when you say to her, I don't know, where do you want to eat? You are the more feminine in the moment. Now, since feminine isn't your predominant essence, it, what that means is she is the more predominant feminine essence. So when you go, well, I don't know where I'm going, one of two things are going to happen. One, one is you're talking feminine to feminine, which is the first thing that happens, where she went, I don't know, pick something. So both of you are going essentially, I don't know where this is going. We don't have direction. So the, the not having direction is the feminine. The masculine is giving something direction. And, you know, creating a container, creating a flow. So then you, once again, went feminine and you went, well, just pick something. Then you go for a walk, so you're flowing aimlessly, right? So you're still not having direction. And at some point, what inevitably happens in the relationship is one person will then polarize the other, and polarize means going opposite. So your non-directionality eventually made her go masculine. And she said, tell me where you want to go, which is her being masculine. She now gave you an order. She gave you direction. And then you went, okay, let's go here, which makes her happy because you finally taken back up the masculine. But it doesn't make her sexually attracted to you because she had to tell you what to do. 
in that moment, maybe, but in the relationship, no doubt, I was the one who was in control from a masculine perspective. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm just talking about that snapshot. Oh, for sure. So I think you're absolutely 100% right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not the big picture, um, because like I said, you are the more masculine partner. Um, it's just that in that moment, and it, it just in that moment, it's a depolarizing moment or you polarize the wrong way. Now, this is not a big deal. It happens all the time in a relationship. It's just when it happens all the time, it diminishes sexual attraction. I find one of the most pertinent places I see this because I'm mean, as a dating coach, part of my job is to teach mostly men seduction. And they do this in the seduction phase of an interaction. And what I mean by that is they've approached somebody, got a phone number, maybe they went on a date, Maybe they just spent the entire night with them at a cocktail party or bar or a club or whatever. And there's this point where it's obvious that the woman is attracted. She's attracted to him. She feels comfortable around him. He recognizes that he needs to make a move and he doesn't make the move. And so he loses attraction. That's exactly what we're talking about here. We're talking about that exact thing is... If you play that particular game where you're in the middle of seduction, where you are consciously playing the extreme ends of masculine and feminine, when you go soft, so to speak, um, you know, it's done. It's interesting because you can feel that tension or I see it sometimes when I'm out with clients, but you can see the tension or if, when I've been in that situation, I can feel it. And when I was younger, I had less experience as a man. I was still trying to find my voice, figure out my masculinity, learn to assert myself sexually. Like I, sometimes I wouldn't make that move and then I would end up as friends with her or she wouldn't talk to me, didn't know what's going on. And as I've gotten older, as I've matured, as I've kind of figured this stuff out, then what there's like a point and I feel that point. And when I feel that point, then I know that I have to make that move now because if I don't, the interaction essentially is gone. And usually I don't get to that point, but I'm highly aware of that, which kind of leads me into my next question, which is if there's a guy who's listening to this and he wants to increase his masculine energy or learn to develop essentially this timing, how can he do this? Because I don't feel like somebody, and maybe you can correct me if you feel different, I don't feel like somebody is at one end of, as, as you describe these poles all the time, as you said, that there's kind of a feminine and masculine energy. Oftentimes when we're, we're coaching, I would say the parallel would be what we call attraction or comfort. When somebody's attracted to another person, they perceive them as being valuable. They're drawn to them. When they're comfortable around them, they allow them to get close to them. And the reality is in order to build a connection with another person, another human being, you have to have both elements. If you're one extreme all the time, you might, somebody might feel attracted to you, but they don't ever feel comfortable enough with you to allow you to get close to them. And so I feel like, at least from kind of a seduction perspective or dating perspective or in a relationship, although I think you're absolutely right that men, men or women, or even just any person, I guess, that, like you said, they could take on either polarity. Although they tend to drift towards one extreme or in some cases race to one extreme, I don't feel like it's healthy for the relationship to be at that extreme all the time. No, not at all. We are talking for the rare moments in time where you want strong sexual attraction. No, no, not for the rest of your life. It would be very caricature-like and strange to animate those extremes at all times. Um, 
I'm talking specifically when you want to deepen intimacy, when you want to increase sexual attraction, when you want to um, play in the realms that are exciting and, you know, charged and fun. Not in the rest of your life, no. No, none of what I'm talking about applies to anything else but those moments. doesn't apply to friends, doesn't apply to colleagues, doesn't apply to siblings. It just applies to the moments where you really want to deepen that attraction. Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchrisma.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. What are some other things that you recommend to the people you work with to deepen sexual attraction? Because you do a lot of things, right? You go into yoga and meditation. I mean, there's a lot of different concepts that you guys work with to help people figure this part of their life out. Uh, you know, I think one of the things you, you said the word seduction earlier, um, you know, one of the things that's really important to feel when we talk about what what do we do and what can be done is that um, there are stages of development we all go through. Once again, you know, David Day has done a, a really good thorough job explaining them, so I'm just going to, you know, touch on the very uh, basics of it. Um, in the first stage of, of, of development, we learn how to care for ourselves and we learn um, how to provide ourselves with what we need. And that's very important. You can never bypass the first stage of development. Um, people who do, you know, are martyrs or, um, you know, or worse. <laughs> and so it's very, very important that you learn how to care for yourself. Once you've done that, um, the next stage, the second stage of development is you become aware of other people and their needs and um, what they require and you start the dialogue and you start an exploration on how can both needs be fulfilled or how can you compromise, what can you do so that, um, you know, everybody is happy. That's the second stage. That's usually where relationships end up with proper work and some counseling and things like that. And then in the third stage, your personal preferences and the preferences of compromise are not as important as the opening towards the greatest good or the greatest love or the greatest just openness. And so when we talk about seduction, we are essentially talking about the first stage. We're talking about I want. 
I will do this and you will open to me. When I make this move, you will react like this and then I have you. Um, so there's a, in, in, the, in the seduction piece, there's a, a very strong first stage element of I want this and so now I'm going to learn the tools to get this. And that's important. You have to know how to do that. Otherwise, um, you, you know, you're just not going to feel good about yourself. Then the next thing that usually happens in, in, as you go further into relationship is you have a more equal relationship. And in, in that way, you know, you, you have a more compromised and, and um, considerate relationship, but it's not very exciting. And then in the third stage, what you want isn't as important as what opens everyone in the situation. So when you talk about what else do we do to help people, a lot of the things we do to help people is integrate them in a way that they can feel beyond their own needs. So when you are out when you're with somebody who, who has never um, successfully dated, the first and foremost thing that you want to teach them, which is um, what I think you do, how to get a date and how to date and how to date successfully and how to be noticed by a woman and how to get that phone number and all of those things. And for those skills, you need to primarily focus on um, behavior and the outcome thereof. Well, that's, that's, the, that's how you get what you want. Once you can stably get what you want, the next step then is how do you make it so that also benefits the other person? And, and then from there, you go beyond that and you go, how am I in the world and with this woman across from me so that the deepest love and consciousness and freedom and, and expression shines through the both of us? And in that particular moment in time, what you'll do is you'll make the body um, stably open. You make the breath stably open. You allow um, for you know posture and awareness and attention and presence, so that both people are gifted by the experience beyond the moment of seduction. One of the first parallels I think about is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So your first set of needs in Maslow's pyramid are your base needs, food, shelter, access to water, the ability to sleep. And in this case, when it, we're talking about courtship or love, the first steps are how do you approach somebody? How do you start a conversation? How, how do you get them to call you back? When do you go for a kiss? How do you move things intimately? Which I agree, it's a major part of what we do. And even one of the first things that comes up with a lot of our clients is the idea of anxieties around even just approaching women they find attractive. And it's not just women, it's anyone who they fear has a, some type of power over them, the ability to reject them. It could be a boss at work that intimidates them. It could be a friend of theirs who is more aggressive. It could be a woman that they're attracted to. But as you move up into the middle layers, you get into the idea of, of having security and safety. If somebody doesn't feel safe walking down the street, then they're not going to go to work or they're not going to go to the grocery store to buy food or they're, they're not going to interact with other people. And they're living with that paranoia. And, and the same thing is true about a relationship. If somebody doesn't feel safe in a relationship, 
they can't continue to evolve and grow both as an individual and within that relationship. And then Maslow's Pyramid, he goes into the mid-levels, which is how do you become a part of a group once you feel that you're safe? You become a member of a group, you can have friends, you can be affectionate towards other people. And then as you kind of do, you're able to do that, you can begin to build your self-esteem both internally and within that group. And then eventually you move into this idea of self-actualization transcendence, where you can think about yourself as it relates to the world. And, and in this case, it sounds like what you're talking about is having the ability to think about yourself in relation to her, to the relationship, and then transcendence, like this idea of the two of you continuing to evolve and grow together, whether it's emotionally, whether it's your lives, or even in a sexual type of way. Do you see the parallels here? I do. Um, I do, and I think, you know, the way you describe that is definitely the way uh, it is for people. Um, I would add to that that it, the trend, it's not so much transcending in my, um, you know, in, in, in the way I look at things, it's inhabiting. Uh, transcending has kind of a bit of a, well, we're done with this or we're over this and we're growing beyond this. It's, it's more the you, you are inhabiting everything fully and um, you're embodying, however you want to say that, uh, all of those aspects so that the deepest love can appear. It's beautiful. Can you define what that means for you and your teaching, this idea of embodiment? Sure. So when you were talking earlier about, you know, going out with a, with a client and then dating, um, you know this because I'm sure you teach this. I'm just going to say this in a different way. How a man approaches a woman um, has very little to do with what he says. It has everything to do with how he feels um, and, and how he feels to her. So when I sit across from a man in a bar, I really don't care if he has money or not or uh, if he's accomplished or not. I look at, is his body open? Is his um, breath relaxed? Is his gaze stable? Because I start back and forth and he itches and fidgets. Those are the things I look for. And any other woman I know, uh, you know, some of them more consciously than others. So what's attractive in a man to a woman is how much of his consciousness, of his awakeness, of his whatever you want to call it, awareness, actually shows through his body. And that's embodiment. The other way around, it goes something like the more energy a woman has in her body, meaning the more shine and light and movement and uh, expression is in her body, the more attractive she is to a man. And so once again, in the first stage, how that looks is women are dressed in a seductive way where everything's kind of hanging out and there's a shininess to it that comes through being adorned a certain way. Um, and, and there's men who, you know, have all the, the outward signs of success or consciousness uh, in there, in the way they're dressed and, you know, in the way they, they, they show themselves. But on a much deeper level, it's how much of who you are gets expressed through your body in, a, in an opening and enjoyable way. So the difference between the man who sits up straight, breathes somewhat deeply and doesn't fidget or chew gum or, you know, move his legs in this unconscious kind of 
fidgety way. Um, and the guy who just sits there and he's rested and he's relaxed and he's open and he has a very calm gaze, that's huge. And so you can, you can teach a man um, pick up lines. You can teach a man how to speak. You can teach a man, you know, you were asking earlier about NLP. You can teach sentence structure. You can do all of that, but that will only work to a certain extent because what a woman feels is, is he conscious? Is he present? Is his mind somewhat still? Does he have confidence in his ability? And how that's perceived is through the body. And so embodiment is the work that needs to be done so that the body becomes structurally open and relaxed and available. And that's where you were asking earlier where yoga comes in or martial arts or breathing or things like that. There are tools for greater embodiment. Okay, now this makes sense. It's funny because that's similar to the majority of the stuff that we do. One of the things that we found was when people are nervous, their shoulders tense up, their vocal cords constrict. They break eye contact down or they don't hold eye contact. They hold tension in different parts of their body depending on a myriad of factors. But what you're talking about makes sense because what I found from just coaching over the last six years is it's body language and voice and your energy that has a bigger factor on somebody's dating and social success than anything else. Women make a decision on whether or not they're going to talk to a man or date him or sleep with him based on how she feels around him. And it sounds like you're talking about the same thing. That's exactly the same thing. So embodiment takes more than a few tricks because, I mean, you can get away with a, a few tricks for a moment, but you have to become stable. Right? You have to be able to um, stably inhabit and express certain things through the body, and that takes just practice. You have to do it over and over and over and over. I think that we're onto something really good. Can you talk about some of the ways that men can practice these things? Because to some of the guys who are listening to this, like this might sound like very esoteric, right? And they're probably wondering, and I'm assuming they're wondering, okay, well, I want to be that guy. I want to be somebody who is open, who's open to other people, who's open to life, who's uh, comfortable with myself and my sexuality. Like, how do I go from the guy I am now to that guy? They might not necessarily feel like there's a clear path to becoming this person that they want to embody. Yes. <laughs> I just literally, before we got on this interview, I listened to uh, an audio talk that's going to go up on my website in a few hours, and I did like a final edit, and it was a talk I gave to a men's group in Amsterdam that uh, came out of the uh, uh, the game kind of, you know, the Neil Strauss community. And these guys were all in their early 20s, and they were incredibly good men. I mean, it was very surprising to see um, the depth and the heart of these guys. And so I walked into the room, and there they were sitting, and Every single one of them was slumped over in a chair with, uh, you know, their shoulders forward and having a notebook on their on their lap. And amongst men, that's perfectly okay. But for a woman, um, the lack of breath, the lack of posture, and the lack of attention is unbelievably painful. So a lot of guys think that when they know knowledge in their head that is enough and it's not so how you become stable in these things is 
you train your body. You literally have to train your body. You have to do these things over and over and over and over, and you need good feedback and good training so that um, your nervous system and your muscular structure and your body posture can, um, you know, alter to a more aware state in the body, which then translates into a much more aware state um, as far as it concerns, you know, a woman's body. And also, you know, the same then goes further into making love with a woman. If your body is all clenched and closed and you're in your head thinking about the right techniques, you're not going to do that good. There's so many ideas I come here. I mean, I, for a long time, I've said with some of the guys I've coached, well, we've talked about exactly what you're talking about. Guys are trying to get comfortable with themselves. And for example, they can't get an erection. I remember I was coaching one guy and I said, I think it's that you're just so far in your head that you're not in the moment. And because you're not in the moment, that's the problem. And he's like, oh, I think it's testosterone. And I'm like, I don't think that's the issue. So he went to doctor, got checked for testosterone. The doctor told him, hey, I think that you're just self-conscious when you're in the moment. And I mean, the exact same thing that I, t I told him. And I said, what you really need is a girlfriend. Instead of trying to run around and date lots of girls, you need to find somebody that you that you really like. I mean, there's a process where you're going to have to kind of develop these skill sets and find someone you like, but you need an emotional connection with somebody. And as you find somebody who accepts you for who you are and you accept them for who they are, that this will evolve naturally. I mean, that's the first thing that I thought. The second thing is I can see where your CBT background comes in as well. I think about the wax on, wax off idea from the karate kid, but humans are not light switches because we understand something. We just can't turn it on and off. We're like you said, the guys in the seminar, we're a product of our habits and yes. you, you have to develop I, I can see what you're saying because you have to develop these habits. How do you learn to hold eye contact? How do you learn to sit up straight? And how do you sit up in a relaxed way? Am I on the right path here? You're totally on the right path. You know, you're totally on the right path. That's, that's exactly right, right? I mean, you know, I, I was saying this in that same talk as well. Like when you when you say to me, I want to become a world class or you just, I mean, not even a world class, I want to become a piano player. Uh, and I'll go, okay, that's great. And then we sit down and you go, I read six books on playing the piano. <laughs> I totally now know what it takes to play the piano. I'm, I, I got it. I got it. It's like I, I had a breakthrough in piano play. And I'm just going to roll my eyes because the moment I take you to a piano, you don't know what to do. And, and the same is true for lovemaking and being with a woman and, uh, you know, and dating and all of those kind of things. Just reading a book about it and knowing about it doesn't do anything to your body. Your fingers did not get the transmission of 15 years of practice on the piano by reading a book about the piano. If that would be so, we'd all be super accomplished. So mental knowledge is the first step, but it's really um, only the intellectual underpinning for letting the body and the emotions catch up and, and create that knowledge. And that is, a, that is a classic wax on, wax off. This is wonderful stuff. The guys that you're talking about in the seminar, I mean, I get a lot of the same guys. I probably attract a little bit different population because of kind of my personality or whatever. But I've ran seminars like that where you have a lot of guys who came in from the pickup community 
And the most common desire of most of those guys is actually not to have as many one night stands as they can. It's to find a girlfriend. Most of them, most of them want to be in love. And, And most of them are aware that they might have to date a little bit to find that right person, but they're looking for love and you have to get out of the analytics of dating. You can't learn this stuff in a book. You can't learn it from a video series. I even tell them from a dating perspective, how do you get better? How do you know what to do with a woman? Well, I mean, I can tell you certain things, but the reality is it's going to come from her. You can see it in the way that she responds to your touch. You can see it with the way she responds to your eye contact. And again, it sounds like you're talking about the same thing all the way through making love. How do you become a great partner or great lover is listening to your partner and determining what needs need to be met based on how, in this case with the guys you're listening to, how she reacts to you, if there's a woman listening, how he's he's reacting to your stimulus. Is there anything else you feel like the guys out there need to hear? I mean, it's funny because even as we've gone through this talk, I feel like my understanding of what you do has evolved and grown, probably similar to the path that you take a lot of your students through. Is there anything else you feel like the guys who are listening need to understand or need to hear that could help them become a better kind of sexual partner or lover? Yeah. You know, I think that one of the things that isn't said nearly enough, and it's a little bit counterproductive to, or counterintuitive, not counterproductive, counterintuitive uh, to everything we've just talked, the wax on, wax off, is that at the same time as you're learning these skills and as you are opening your body and you're opening your heart, we haven't even talked about the opening of the heart, but you know, opening the body, opening your awareness, that the other piece that's just really, really important is relax. And there's nothing uh, less attractive than a tense man. And a tight man and a clenched man and a contracted man, however you want to say that. So practicing relaxation is very, very important. Uh, One of the questions you had originally sent me was, you know, the role of meditation, for instance. So meditation, martial arts, qigong, um, you know, awareness of the breath, things like that help the body and the mind and the the spirit relax and relaxation of the body um, helps with sex, it helps with dating, it helps with perceiving and feeling things. So that, you know, while you're doing all the things you're doing, cultivating relaxation on all levels is very, very important. Can you mention a little bit about opening the heart? Because I do think that's an important thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, You know, I think that one of the, the, before anything else, what makes us human and what makes us love, because what we're really talking about here is not getting laid. It's being loved. Yeah. It's exchanging love. And, you know, the guys I saw in Amsterdam, they had evolved from just wanting you know, to get a woman to really understanding the depth of what's possible in human interaction. That's what made them such great guys because they had, you know, they had gone beyond the first stage need of, okay, now I can pick up a woman into, I just want to exchange love. I want to be loved and I want to love. And so the heart, um, the emotion, the, the, the ability to be vulnerable, to see and be seen, to touch and be touched, is uh, um, making yourself available. And sometimes that's very scary because our hearts are very sensitive and we get hurt and we get crushed. And, you know, most of us learn 
about sex and relationship as teenagers would, and when you, our counterparts are incredibly cruel. Uh, I mean, there's nothing worse than a group of adolescents, you know, when, when it comes to those kind of things. So, I mean, maybe things have changed, but when I was a 15-year-old, I'm sure I was pretty horrendously cruel, you know. So, so the, the unguarding of the heart and the opening and making ourselves available is very scary. And it also requires some practice, you know, even in things like one of the first things I always teach in every workshop that I've ever taught is how do you keep eye contact and unguard yourself? How do you put your body in front of another human's body and not protect yourself? How do you speak with each other in a way that keeps things open? How do you learn then to open the other person's heart through speech or through smiles or through sounds or through gestures so that the heart, the part of us that loves is free and it opens and it expands and has greater and greater capacity for giving and receiving love. Michaela, listening to you talk about this stuff is wonderful. I think I'm getting a little bit over on time, so I have to wrap this up, but thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And if you're listening and you want to learn more about Michaela and her workshops or seminars or different programs, we're going to post some links on the Craft Charisma website and within the description for this podcast so you can find out more about her. Thank you again. Great. Thank you so much. It's dating coach Chris Lona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.